IllQuest listeners and viewers, I am so excited to have Dr. Pat Baxter on an upcoming episode of IllQuest. Um, she talks about emotion. She's an expert in emotional intelligence, which, you know, if you've, I might not use that terminology, but if you listen to anything I talk about, about negotiation and deals and, you know, uh, self-awareness and that kind of stuff, this stuff is right on point. So Dr. Pat, what are people going to hear about on your episode of DealQuest? Well, that emotion is not a four-letter word. <laughs> that, it, that it is part of who you are and part of the people that you interact with. And it should be part of every negotiation you make. No question about it. And, and I know that um, uh, you uh, have an understanding of uh, you know, the brain science and we're going to talk about some, some new developments, right? And uh, there's some interesting stuff going on, right? Yeah, there, there is, there's so much to know. Uh, I, I say that it's the brain that's the new frontier. Yeah. We don't know this amount, this amount of what the brain is and what it does. We are learning more every single day. And I think one of the key things is to, as we get this information, how do we incorporate it into how we interact and how we do, do business? Love it. So folks, check it out. It's going to be a great episode. Thank you. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. DealQuest listeners and viewers, I am so excited to have Dr. Patricia Baxter on this episode of DealQuest. Using hard-won lessons in her 30-plus year corporate career as a global talent management leader and consultant, she now serves as an executive coach to diverse emerging leaders, helping them gain comfort and competence using emotional intelligence. She holds a doctorate in organizational leadership from Argosy University an MS in education from the City University of New York and is certified in numerous leadership assessments. Dr. Pat is the recipient of the prestigious Society of Emotional Intelligence Ambassador Award is certified to teach resilience and thriving by the National Wellness Institute and proudly serves on the advisory board of Global Wellbeing for Women. Dr. Pat contributed her work to the Professional Women's Network 2017 anthology and recently published Power Women Call to Lead in 2021. She's authored two books, Cool Change, Turning Emotions into Leadership Strengths in 2015 and 101 Ways to Grow Resilient, a Resilient and Awesome Team in 2018, now in its second printing. I am so excited to have Dr. Pat on the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be with you again. <laughs> so um, there is so much that I want to ask you and talk about in terms of what you do now and how emotional intelligence impacts deals and, you know, because it impacts everything we do. Um, but before we go there, I want to take you back to when you were growing up as a little girl um, at maybe 8, 10, 12 years old. What is it that you wanted to do, wanted to be? I, I would think a coach on emotional intelligence probably wasn't it at that age, but maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. <laughs> Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is I, I wanted to be rich. So we'll, we'll start with that. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's the furthest thing. Um, it's interesting. One of the things I, I, I use in a lot of my presentations is when I was a kid, uh, we had Uncle Albert who lived with us. Okay. And uh, he saw a lot of my meltdowns as a, as a kid, as a teenager, and one thing you always said to me was, Patty, you're too emotional. You know, calm down. Yeah. 
And I, I always found that insulting, but as I grow older and understand more about people and the brain and how we're equipped, he was right with, in terms of calming down, makes a difference. Mm. Yeah, maybe not the judgmental part of it, but the, but the advice part of it, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, boy, I, uh, I am so, I mean, I am, you know, far from as educated as you are in this area, I'm sure, but uh, I've been uh, sort of fascinated by the recent developments in brain science because we know so little about the brain. And, oh, yeah. but, but in recent years, we've learned a lot more than we used to. No, and just you know the, the the functioning of the of the brain and how it works and how it impacts these things is something that's just a fascinating sort of mini hobby you know for me to study. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Just about every day there is some progress in the world of neuroscience, and most recently about the the neuroplasticity mm. of the brain and how we we can literally make reshape. The, the brain and how it functions. And every day I'm reading something else about the different centers in our, in our brains. Yeah. It's, fa- it's fascinating. fascinating. Uh, and that's another thing that obviously affects everything in our lives and business and deals, you know, et cetera. Um, one last question, looking back, um, do you remember it could have been as a kid or later or whatever, but any kind of sort of early first kind of deal of any type that comes to mind? Deal. Yeah. That you did. Well, um, yeah, I, I think the, the first thing that, that comes to, to my mind is good old Uncle Albert again, because um, he, he pretty much helped raise me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember doing some, well, I remember as a kid doing a lot of things that I really didn't want to do in terms of helping, cleaning, picking sure. up after myself. But I realized that was a tool to get to what I needed and it made it made Uncle Albert (laughs) feel better when I cleaned up my room uh it made my mom and dad you know they were uh, working two or three jobs wow yeah you know so that was something I I learned early on to be be helpful (laughs) as opposed to uh making things uh, more uh I don't know the word that came to my mind was dramatic Mm. Mm. so there's a there was a you, you recognized there was some sort of implicit trade-off or deal in handling the stuff they wanted you to handle because you got something out of that exactly yeah exactly. even yeah. as a kid you realize that yeah 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 that's what that, that, that's great and, and and it's interesting because one of the things that fascinates me and i ask a lot of my guests you know in various ways is um you know and it sort of relates to what you what, what you do generally is always like what has somebody get the mindset of a deal maker right and i believe anything we do in life starts with mindset right yeah. you know uh, i mean whether it's being in a healthy uh, you know partner relationship right if you don't have the right mindset whether it's about yourself or it's about relationships whether it's about other people that's not going to work you know if you don't see yourself as successful you're probably not going to be successful if you don't see yourself as a deal maker you're not going to do deals you know so um you know i'm curious with what you do with emotional intelligence your understanding of all that um you know what is your you know because i think even even that example from when you were younger is a mini example of of having something shift in the mindset say oh hmm, if i do this then this is going to happen right that's an understanding that has you know, has the mindset sought to shift? I think it also has a lot to do with not knowing what the other party is most interested in. Yes. Um, and and sometimes even, even when I'm making different kinds of deals, um, I start to use the language of the other person. I seem to get through a lot easier I, as yes. long as I understand what is meant by that term. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Because, you know, you're able to get, you know, you said two things and they're related, right? One is understanding the other person and then starting to use their language. And what starting to use their language does is it has them feel heard, right? Mm-hmm. And it has, the, and has you speaking in a way that they can understand, of course, because it's their, it's their, it's their language. So it's a smart, it's, it's a deep understanding of, and with a smart strategy applied, you know, to it. Yeah. yeah. 
listening has everything to do with it. Yeah. I mean, what I call deep listening and, you know, and, and watching expressions and body, body language and just that it's a whole package as far as mm -hmm. I'm concerned. And it's about, you know, managing yourself, being aware about what you're saying and doing and what you look like, and also keeping your eye on the other person and seeing if they give you any clues. Mm. So, so let's break each of those down because, you know, I talk about this in negotiating. I talk about it in deal-making. Obviously, you know, there, there is the other party and there's that understanding of the other party and doing your external due diligence and, you know, understanding where they're coming from, what they want. Um, and then, you know, there's getting clear on what, on what you want. And one of the things that I often say is that, frankly, where a lot of us skimp, and it's not only in deals and negotiating, but it's in life, is doing that hard inner work to get that deeper understanding of who we are and why we function the way we do and why we react the way we do and why we become emotional or don't become emotional, what triggers us, all that kind of stuff. So um, I know it's a pretty open-ended question, but I, I purposely want it to be open-ended because of your deep understanding of emotional intelligence. How does all of that, like, you know, impact uh, our business success and our deals? And, and what do we need to do to get better, you know, at, uh, you know, having that kind of success? Because, you know, so many of us find amazing ways to sabotage ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in, in the world of emotional intelligence, there are, there are three aspects that I think are, are, are mission critical. Uh, self-awareness, yeah. back to your point of, you know, do you know what you want? <laughs> you know, do you know how you're expressing yourself? Um, then self-management. You mentioned before triggers. Mm. I, I do a lot of coaching with people around understanding and pinpointing what the triggers are. Um, and it, it could be something that's triggered by a statement or, I mean, I, I once coached uh, an incredible salesperson who could not close a deal. Why? Because the person she was negotiating with reminded her of her ex-husband. And until we you know, went through a couple of layers, we weren't even aware of, yeah. of that, or she wasn't. And the third thing is empathy. Yeah. There's been a lot of work around empathy in terms of, of how it it opens the door to really understanding the other person and ourselves you know when you said when you say to people i've been where you are that's a connection a connection wouldn't you say that really is it allows us to express ourselves uh vulnerable be vulnerable mm -hmm. as well um so because that makes you human so how, I know that, again, I'm asking broad questions because I think this is a fascinating area and I don't want to limit the conversation, um, at least to start with, but how, you know, how often, listen, I, I've been practicing law for 30 years, right? So I'm in all kinds of negotiations and deals of 35 years now. Um, and, you know, of course, and I do a lot of entrepreneurs and executives and business, business owners, and, right. and I see very often it's, you know, it, the deal's not dying because somebody wants to, you know, pay X and somebody wants to pay 90% of X most times, although that happens sometimes. But a lot of times it's dying because people get triggered about something. And in fact, I, I had a, uh, I had a deal recently that ended up closing, but there was a point at which my client got very triggered. And frankly, there was some good reason. The lawyer on the other side was, was over lawyering. It was ridiculous. They were, you know, was, the process was getting dragged out. Uh, um, you know, it, it was, you know, he was frustrated and he told me to kill the deal. And I, and I, and I said, okay, I understand what you want. And then uh, I didn't do anything for two hours and let him calm down. And then I said, Hey, let's talk. And I, and I had a conversation with him and said, listen, yeah, this is a good deal. I know the reasons you want to get it done. I, I understand why you're upset. And I think we can, you know, move this forward and, and, and he did. And now they closed the deal and they're, and they're thrilled. Right. But it's, you know, it, that deal could have died in that moment. Right. Not because it was a bad deal, not because of whatever, but because of the way this lawyer was, you know, handling certain stuff and, and whatever, uh, you know, my client got triggered. Um, 
how aware do you think the average person is? And this is my broad question to start with. How aware do you think the average person is about what triggers them and what really guides their behavior, right? Because there's so much more science nowadays to say that, at least what I've read, that the majority, of, a, lot of, a lot of what we do, we, we think we're making conscious choices, right, around it, but, it's just, but, it, but we're just not. Right, right. It, you know, one of the things about trigger, and I wrote a whole chapter in, in one of my books about it, triggers come from the most unexpected things Hmm. you know like the salesperson who who saw her ex-husband you know across the table that'll trigger you you know um and one of the things that i i don't know whether most of us know but when we're triggered we're actually dealing with a chemical reaction Hmm. in the brain yeah and it's that whole fight or flight we are programmed so deeply, deeply with that, that it, it comes up in a lot of things. And until you're aware of what might be a trigger in a conversation, um, and even then you're not sure what it is. Once you realize you've got, you're feeling slightly out of, maybe a lot out of control, there's a chemical reaction that's taken place. And you did a very wise thing to tell the other side, let's come back in a couple of hours. Um, You know, (laughs) truthfully, it it really, it's something that I have, I have used more times than I care to admit. Uh, (laughs) It is, um, you know, making sure, and I have done this. One of the strategies that's, that's used in terms of managing a trigger is getting yourself out of the environment that the trigger occurred. Yeah. You know, and so you don't have the visual stimulus continuing to to hit you. I actually once, I was working with a a client in the Wall Street area um, and I saw things were not going well. (laughs) So I I decided to, to tell them it was a little fib, not much, that I had bad sushi at lunch. And I really wasn't feeling well. And I got up and, you know, nobody stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I haven't used that very often. But, you know, it's, it's a way to pull yourself from being brought in more. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, 100%. You know, and it's something that I talk about. You know, I, I have three core principles to in my, that I talk about in my negotiating book. And the first one is clarity. We talked about that self-awareness, that knowledge. The second one is detachment, the ability not to get attached to an outcome or an issue. Or, uh, and the third one is maintaining your equilibrium. Um, you know, and one of the things I talk about is if, you know, you may come in clear and think you're detached, but then you get triggered, something happens in the negotiation, somebody says something, and your equilibrium gets thrown off. And, you know, it is one of the, one of the several, you know, uh, tools that I give people is to say, just take a break, right? right. <laughs> Separate exactly. from the environment, take a breath, go for a walk, to, uh, you know, call lunch, uh, tell them whatever, you got to go to the bathroom, you know, whatever it is, you know. Um, so what are some of the other things that people can do um, to uh, either deal with triggers or even be more aware? Like some, sometimes people who have done less work even have trouble knowing that they're, that they're really being you know, triggered, right? You know, like even understanding. Um, so what, if, what, what is the work people need to do to improve on that? Well, you know, one of the things I, I recommend uh, to clients is, is being aware of your body. Mm-hmm. I mean, is your, is your leg going up and down? Are, you, are your hands clamming? Um, do you have the, the sweat coming out of your ears? Whatever, you know, you will get physical clues yeah. that you are getting triggered. And, you know, that it's just something to be aware of. Um, and sometimes just, you know, talking it up. I, as a matter of fact, I, some clients, I have them journal about when they are triggered. Yeah. So they write out exactly what they were feeling, you know, how sweaty were their palms? Um, how, much, how much did chocolate did they eat? Yeah. All those kinds of things. And, yeah, and that's another thing too. Sugar? Yeah. Turn the dialogue. <laughs> so you know having uh having that self-awareness 
and then going into the self-management of it, uh, you know, not, you know, not feeding yourself with a lot of sugar before you're going into uh, a negotiation or even a discussion or even a a, a feedback on performance. Yeah. All all those are volatile. Um, So sugar doesn't help. (laughs) Yeah, I, I hear that. So it's interesting. I want to sort of, Examine the flip side of something um, and uh, let me know your thoughts. So I think the easy thing to think about is if you're not in connection with the emotional intelligence, you get triggered. It's easy to blow a deal, a negotiation, a business opportunity, whatever it is, a relationship, you name it, um, uh, because of your reactiveness, right, you know, to getting triggered. Um, But I want to look at that's the easy one to see. I want to look at on the other side. Because one of the things that I talk about in, in, in the negotiations I do in dealmaking, and, and I'm wondering how it relates more in the brain science and the emotional intelligence side, is there is sometimes actually people end up not blowing a deal, but actually doing a bad deal yeah. because they have certain triggers that may, maybe they want to avoid confrontation. Maybe they are in a place of desperation or scarcity. You know, there's all these things that come up for, for people that are not those kind of triggers that say the hell with you, I'm out of here, but they're actually trigger people to do things they shouldn't do. You know don't we get the same clues though? Don't we get the same kind of clues? This the sweaty palms, the I think so. you know, your 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 voice begins to quiver, or mm-hmm. um, you know, with me sometimes I become very robot-like. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's a clue. That's a clue. Yeah. And, and just being paying attention to that, um, I think helps. But more than anything, I believe, you know, that what is that old adage, um, 10% about awareness, you know, um, being, I don't remember what it is, pre- pre- preparation and awareness. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so when... Um, so when you're working with folks, are, are is it like what triggers people to come to you? Is it a particular situation often that has, you know, that goes bad or whatever that has them say, I got to do something about this? Is it general dissatisfaction? Is it not, you know, achieving what they want? Like, like what, what triggers people to use a different, <laughs> you know, uh, what causes people to say, hey, I, you know, I, I should go speak to Dr. Pat? Well, I think one thing that that I've heard more more often than not not is, um, gee, I thought I would get that promotion. Mm. Gee, I thought I would get that job. There was something that, and it, it's not the qualifications, right? It's it's something that um, the other person saw that um, made one unattractive. <laughs> I don't right. want to get involved with you. Um, so being aware of the situation you're going into and being very clear about what their requirements are. And, and, and sometimes there's an opportunity to, I think people should do research on whoever, whatever they're going to be, um, looking at, right? hundred percent. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting to me. I mean, it's, you know, and I, I deal with this because obviously when people come to me as clients, they're wherever they're at. We're all only where we're at in a given situation, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, you know, for me, it's it's sort of a twofold. There's the, you know, I'm somebody who's committed to doing a lot of personal business growth over my life and taking courses and reading and understanding the brain and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's a, that's a life's work for me. And I think it's a big part of, honestly, what's had me be successful. Right. Um and then there's the in the moment stuff, right? You know, so, and the thing is that, you know, for me, I can tell people who've done work with on themselves by the way they, it doesn't mean they may not get triggered in the moment or have something come up in the moment, but I can more often tell by the way they deal with that or recover from it or how long it lasts or how deep they go mm-hmm. as to how much work they've done, you know, in the okay. long term on themselves. Uh, is that your experience as well? Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, people who find themselves kind of in this endless loop of failing, of not getting what they want, uh, 
I hope they realize by the time they get the reason they want to come to me is they they are aware there's yeah. something not connecting. Yeah. Um, and it's time to hold up the mirror and take a look at what you're doing because any deal is you know half and half. Yeah. 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 Does that makes sense. Yeah. Because I, I I mean so many times I mean. I've done a, a ton of work on myself and I'm not done. Right. hundred percent. Me too. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting to me. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, sharing a little bit of my journey is that, you know, and I, I was sort of prefaced it is that, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a combination with all the work that I've done. I, I think I get triggered less often. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, um, but I also, um, recover better right like because because i say less often but i it's not like i never get triggered it's not like i never get hung up it's not like i never get into some place of you know i mean i'm a pretty positive person overall but not like i don't get negative at times or whatever whatever it is you know um but but the tools i have help me get out of it more quickly right and Mm -hmm. and recover from it and recognize it you know more quickly because that's the other thing i find like especially when i was younger like it would take me longer to even realize that I was not in a good place, you know, even to recognize that because it's easy for us to fool ourselves, right? Absolutely. I, I got to ask you a question then. You talk sure. about tools. What's your go-to tool to, to, to get you uh, remotivated or refocused? I, I, I guess I would say, I, I would answer that in two ways, in two contexts. One is in the short term, right? You know, in the moment kind of thing, Right. Uh, I would say it's, 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 it's my breath. I mean, like I have, you know, yeah. like I, I go to my breath, right. I've been, you know, I, I've, I've been trained. I do some meditation. Not a, I'm not a regular meditator, but I've been, I've done various, you know, training in that and breath work and whatever. And, and to me, that connection to breath and that, and that even reminder to breathe, right. Cause normally if I'm right. in a, if I'm in a state where I'm not in the right place, I'm actually not breathing or not breathing, you know, exactly. in the right way. so I would say in the short term, it's that, on on sort of a bigger picture, and I've had examples in my life, and I talk about one of them in the negotiating book, where like if things are, if I'm in a challenging time in life, for me, my go-to is to get away out of the environment, right, and uh, get reconnected to vision. You know, go away for a weekend, go somewhere, and just yeah, and just reconnect. I have all these methodologies, vision boards, five three one thing that I teach people to do. So that's sort of the bigger thing in the moment. It's 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 breath for me. It, it's it's interesting in my my first book full uh, change i i you know when i when i when i worked uh in wall street street institutions it was it was more than tense it was it, it was a whole test of my being yes um and and especially being a a female yeah in some of the departments i i worked in yes and um, you know, I, I write in the book about when I used to commute home on the train up to Westchester, I would drink. Right. Those kinds of habits are crutches. Yeah. Crutches. And they should be telling us something. And that's, you know, that's where self-awareness comes in. And sometimes, frankly, that's when a friend comes in. Yeah you know, uh, and, and makes you aware of what, what's happening and, and what, and frankly, that you have a lot of control over it. Yes. You know, um, and yeah, maybe, maybe you need some help, but just be aware of it and understand how those kinds of stimulus, um, alter everything in, in you, your understanding, your willingness to, to work and cooperate. So, That's those kinds of things. And I know, I know there are are many people in their biographies, autobiographies who talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I don't don't know a successful person I have, and I'm a big reader of what, especially autobiographies. I like when people write themselves, especially, especially when they, if it's not some ghost written kind of, you know, the surface thing, if it's real, Um, because, you know, usually, you know, pretty much nobody has a straight line, you know, to the top, there's been ups and downs, there's been bumps and bruises, there's been lessons, there's been mistakes. Um, 
So what what are some of the other, you know, so you asked me on a couple, you've mentioned a couple, you know, what's, what's the other work that, you know, what are the other tools and techniques that people can use to um, get that self-awareness, get connected to their emotional intelligence to do, you know, better deals, better, have better relationships, have everything better in their life. What, what's some of the other, you know, what, what work do people need to do? What are some of the other things they can do? You, you mentioned something that I very often advise clients to do, and, th- and that is go get a breath of fresh air. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes, and sometimes I do my coaching sessions outside. Yeah. You know, walking around, talking, we'll, we'll sit if we have to, or whatever, but get, that fresh air um, helps us, you know, center ourselves. Uh, and it's, it seems less uh, intimidating. Yeah. to my clients because we're you know we're out there and we're just we're, we're just talking with each other um so that's one of the things about and i think that's something that's going to shift in the workplace now yeah. after the pandemic people are going to want to be outside someplace else other than their cube or their office yeah um, and i i think that's that's going to help a lot um i keep reading all these um articles about you know that companies can't get people back into the offices and i'm going well let's talk about that let's talk about what that why that could be um and what did the alternative reality we lived through the last 15 months what did that give us that we want more of yes yeah it's interesting because you know any kind of significant shift like that affects your perspective, right? You know, and, uh, and, you know, and obviously there were some challenges, but I think it's also in the, any, any challenging time often has us, especially if we're willing to do any kind of internal work, uh, come to some realizations that are ultimately helpful, right? Give us some more clarity on what is working for us and what is not, because it's so easy. There's a book I read some years ago that I thought was good. I think it's called The Power of Habit, but, you know, talking about brain science, right? There's so much we do by by rote, by habit, by without even thinking about it, right? And, then, and there's a, um, from a brain function point of view, that's actually crucial because you can't, you know, you have to be able to do certain things on autopilot or else you'd be, right? I mean, the brain can only do, right? Um, so it's a good, it's a good adaptability thing as human beings that we have that, but it also gets us into these situations where so much of our lives are often just what they are, right? And they're by, and by habit. And sometimes it takes one of these, whether it's personal life events or societal global events, pandemic, whatever, to have us, you know, break out of that and at least take a step back and reevaluate it, right? And I've actually had um, two or three clients uh, contact me during this. It's not a hiatus, it's a shift. Yes. And, you know, wanting to go a little deeper into the work that we had done uh, and all my clients um, we start with an assessment um, whether it be a Berkman or an EQI we start with an assessment that baseline and people have gone back to that you know mm-hmm. and they've read through it and they see the connection between why something's working for them now that didn't work for them before it's that is just talk about self-work you know staying aware around you know who you are now um it makes such a difference in the quality of your life and and accepting the the changes that that have happened um you know whether forced upon you or you made them yeah um they it makes so much sense for them to to review um, and say, yeah, that worked for me. That doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah, and, and I think um, you, know, you want to talk about, uh, I mean, for me, one of the differences between people who are successful and happy and, you know, I mean, truly successful. For me, success doesn't mean necessarily a lot of money, although I'm not one who I think abundance is part of success if you're truly successful. I'm not, you know, it's, but it's only, it's only one piece. Um, but for me, it's really... You know, there are, there are people who have the same or similar stimulus. And in this case, the pandemic is a great example of where, yes, I'm not saying we're all 
affected the same way, but but there were a lot of similar inputs that we all dealt with. And you see how people deal with it very differently, right? And, uh, you know, uh, whether the people who successfully pivoted in their businesses, whether the ones who used it to get, become more resilient, you know, or the, you know, or the other way. And it's, um, you know, it's a great test. You know, I mean, my wife, um, you know, uh, has called this pandemic the sacred pause. And even just that reframing of it, Absolutely. In my mind, says a lot, right, about my wife's approach, right? Some people, this is, and again, I'm, I, I don't want to. I want to make clear to the audience, I'm not minimizing the impact. I know people whose parents have passed away, who's a major, so I'm not minimizing that. But, but if you study folks, people's attitudes, people's level of success, things like that, are not correlated to what happens to them. It's correlated to their reaction to what happens to them. You know, Covey said in between stimulus and response is choice. That's what makes us different than human beings. And that's a fundamental belief I have in life. We don't control our circumstances, but we do control our relationship to them. Um, So for me, this pandemic has been a big, you know, example of that. Um, It sounds like you've, you know, you've seen the same, you know, sort of feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting when, as I said, I get a former, uh, client who you know rings me up and uh, you know and says I, I want to kind of revisit some things that we talked about years ago or a year ago um, and for for them to have this it's an assessment of a, a marker if you will uh, in their lives it becomes a a good platform from which either to jump off of yep. or dig into yeah 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 Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. So, so talk to us a little bit uh, about, you know, who you work with most. Uh, you know, people have obviously gotten a feel for the type of stuff you, you know, you do and just in our conversation, but if you want to talk more specifically than that, but who's also, who's your, who's your typical client, um, you know, uh, and, um, and how, how do people work with you? And then also how do people get in touch with you if they're interested? Oh, sure. Um, well, you know, o- over the years, uh, there have been many other ships <laughs> in my life. Um, and, you know, when I started my career, um, it, was, it was mostly working with executives in technology and financial services. Yep. Totally different world than, you know, than where, where I came from, a, a kid from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Um, so... That that was the, the 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 group that I served at that time, and as time went on, uh, what I found I was doing was looking for people, mostly women, who have come through a process and want want to be better. Mm-hmm. They want to be more themselves. They want to really understand themselves and be better able to relate to other people that they must work. With. Yes. So, um, so the, so women in the workplace, uh, in the last five, 10 years have, has been my, my focus, uh, and also diverse, uh, individuals that have come into roles that, um, they, they must work with people very different yeah. from, you know, who they are. Uh, so that. That's been my focus, and you know, emotional intelligence is is a great way. It's a great platform again to connect with people because most of us have emotions. <laughs> most of us. Um, what one of the things that I tell, I ask people a question: How many emotions do you think we have? What do you think? I I, I don't know. Like I remember hearing, like there's only. I don't know. I, I guess different theories. I remember hearing there's only like, I don't know, seven or eight fundamental emotions or three or five or something like that. And, but I don't know. I don't know if that's the direction you're going or if, or if you have a different view on it. No, no. It, it, it actually, did you see that uh, movie Inside Out? 
I don't think so, actually. By Disney? No? I don't think so. It's it's worth taking, you know, a few minutes to, to, to go through because okay. it's about emotions. Okay. And how they appear differently and how they interact with each other and how they cause parts of our brain to work differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's something, you know, it, it, it can be considered a, a kid's movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I Got don't. It. Because we don't really understand our brain. We don't really understand the role of emotions and, you know, how to, to uh, manage those. Yes. So that, that's an interesting thing. But actually, the latest research, yes. and it has varied over the years, um, is that we actually have 27 emotions. Okay. Okay. And take, take the, you know, anger, for example. Yep. Anger can go from annoyance to rage yep okay and there are stages all the way along I see. so the 27 breaks that down into yep. more right it depends on that now just because just because i this is something i've heard and and sort of believed in and had some experience with in certain contexts but i'm curious uh the other thing that i that i heard one time that is that anger is never a root emotion meaning that there's a theory that says there's always some other emotion underneath anger mm-hmm. right you know it could be or you know, this whatever this, that's triggering the anger. There's there's always there's always something deeper than the than the anger. Is it? Yeah, and, and and a lot of things get triggered by fear. Yeah, you know, um, and everything from you know fear of not being enough to uh, a fear of failing, fear of disappointing people, and that can come out in many different ways. You know. Uh, overachiever, yeah. you know, because you don't want to fail anybody, um, you know, and, and getting in touch with, um, it's not, not so much the, you know, psychology, but it's just getting in touch with that could potentially be why you're, you're feeling and doing certain things mm-hmm. that are not leading you to the kind of outcome that, that you want. And, and yet again, you know, self-awareness, self-management, yeah it's interesting you know because fear is uh in 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 my authentic negotiating book i i have a chapter on the thoughts six reasons negotiations fail and they're all emotions right or you know it's i it's eager angle fear you know i talk about various types of fear fear success fear failure fear the unknown all these things that 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 have people um you know uh, not be successful in negotiating but of course it applies way beyond the negotiating realm, you know. Yeah, uh, and and let me just add one other thing. Please. One of the things that that I have been working with myself and with some clients is this whole thing of self empathy. Mm. You know that whole thing of give yourself a break. Yep. Kind of stuff that once in a while a good friend of yours will sit you down and say, "Give yourself a break. Take a breath." <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing the best, and this I say all the time to my family, you're doing the best you know how yes. based on what you know. Yes. You know, so, and, and that's something that if we, we, we put our arms around that and accept that, uh, we're going to be able to manage not only our, our relationships, our negotiations, our encounters with other people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, they say often that, you know, if, if ever, especially for folks who are really, you know, in a negative place, that voice in their head that tells them about themselves, like if, if they ever said that about someone else, they would be appalled, right? But yet, you know, but yet they let, you know, those monkeys keep, you know, telling them, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, just, it's just simply, uh, I have it pasted into one of my, my journals. Um, self-empathy, you know, caring for yourself. And that's one of the reasons I, I, I'm doing so much work in the world of resilience and thriving. Um, because we, self-care matters. Yeah. It really matters when you're trying to, to manage relationships, uh, manage emotions. Self-care really matters. No question. And, and listen, I think... Um... You know, I, I, I talk about that in deals and negotiating as well. I mean, it's, you know, you know, as, as business leaders, as executives, as entrepreneurs, 
you know, we're in such a culture where it's about drive, 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 achieve, do more, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And also, especially as entrepreneurs, you know, feel like we can shoot from the hip and we're good on our feet and whatever. And, you know, so, you know, it's almost a badge of honor sometimes, you know, oh yeah, I only had three hours sleep last night and I just, whatever. And, you know, I've seen that lack of self-care blow up so many deals and relationships because, you know, and listen, I I also don't want to, you know, um, you know, listen, I, I do a lot of traveling. I'm on planes. I do, you know, trust me, I'm not somebody who's sitting around, but I, I've gotten so much better at focusing on how I take care of myself because especially as you get older, it, it gets tougher and, and, and it affects you more. And I, and I've seen it, you know, I've seen, I've seen, uh, you know, situations where deals, relationships, negotiations, whatever it is, uh, you know, go sour. And a lot of it is because the person just is exhausted or, you know, just, exactly. you, know, you know, just hasn't been taking care of themselves and they're just not in the right frame of mindset or whatever. So it's such an important point, uh, Pat, it really is. Exactly. It's, um, it's something that, again, during this uh, 15 month period um, has, has really come to uh, a head for myself, my friends, my family, we've, we've lost so many relatives yeah. through this. Uh, so we have to, we have to always remember we need to take care of ourselves so we can, we can manage the aftermath of this. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's really a very, it's really a very interesting world and we're constantly <laughs> negotiating to your, to your point. Hundred percent, and and it's interesting because uh, you know there's also that piece, um, and um, I, had the, I had the pleasure of um, um, of uh, um, I, I, was, I had the pleasure of you know reading and spending time with some other folks who are really big on you know on uh, on negotiating, and there's been a movement um, of um, you know William Urey, for example, who was one of the co-authors of um, Getting to Yes, you know, one of the classic negotiating books. Yeah, he wrote a more recent book a couple of years ago called Getting to Yes with Yourself. And it was more of this conversation about, you know, he felt that the thing, the one thing that was missing from the classic Getting to Yes was the, was the negotiation you have with yourself, was the, was that internal <laughs> work, you know. Um, oh, yeah. So that's what his book a few years ago was, you know, was about. And I, it definitely aligns, uh, you know, with, with, with the work I'm doing and with the conversation that Pat and I are having right now, you know, so. Yeah. Um, so, Dr. Pat, uh, what's the best pay- place for people to find out more about you if they want to just see more of your content or potentially work with you or, you know, uh, website, anything you want to get? Well, okay. Well, um, it's uh, www.patriciabaxter.com, which is my, my website. My uh, email is pat at patriciabaxter.com. Very, very clever. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and on those, through those two, um, mediums, you can, you can take a look at how to get in touch with me. Um, I'm also constantly putting on, uh, articles and doing, um, YouTubes, et cetera, sharing what it is I've learned along the way. Uh, some of it, not pretty, but, uh, learning what, uh, you know, what have I learned along the way? And, and I want to share it with you. Mm, I love that. You know, I usually go straight to my final question, but I'm just called to, uh, can you give us one example of a personal story of, uh, you know, that had you really learn something, you know, to yourself? Okay. So uh, you want that alphabetically? (laughs) Um, Again. I, like I said before, I, I, I relied on other substances to help me through some, some difficult times where I didn't know who I was, why I was. Mm. And um, I, I, needed to, I needed to pull back, and especially in the last few years, because, you know, when you're, to your earlier point, when you go, 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 you can be gone and you don't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that, that I have, I have simply inserted into my, into my life is I stop to be with family. Mm. I stop to be with friends. Um, and, you know, 
my husband and I have been scaling back in so many ways. So, I mean, we've gone from a 5,000 square foot house to one that's only 22 square feet. And I mean, some 2,200 square feet. And, and some, some people would say, what? That's nice. It, it really comes with a lot of burden, responsibility, and that energy goes everywhere else except to you, your, your, whoever you're, you're loved with and who you live with and your family and your community. So that, that's kind of the stuff I learned along the way. And I, and I don't take those lessons lightly. Yeah, powerful. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate you being willing to share that. Um, so my final question is around my highest ideal in life, which is freedom. And for me, that means freedom from oppression for everybody in the world to the reason I'm an entrepreneur and I don't work for somebody, right? The freedom to sort of live my life the way I want it. What does freedom mean to you and how does it impact your life and business? Um, freedom means, the first word that comes to me is choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a choice to how I live, who I love, who I work with and who I don't work with. Yeah. That's been a big one. You know, um, there had been some some deals that the person I worked with uh, or for was poisoned. Yeah. They they were poisoned. Yeah. So I've learned I've learned to walk away and know that I'll be okay. That's Love the it. big one. Love it, Dr. Pat Baxter. Thank you for being an amazing guest on the Oakwest Podcast. Thank you. Thank you and take care of yourself, okay? Hey. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.